Coming up on today's Locked On Hornets podcast, we have Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer, as we do every single Tuesday to talk all things Charlotte Hornets, how he evaluates the beginning of the season, Cody Zeller's role on offense, if Devontae Graham should go to the starting lineup, and this. All righty. Hold on one second. I'm a professional. <laughs> well, it's still better than Doug using the word shark on the air. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Classic. <laughs> Classic. Hot shot, hot shot, shot chart. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. It's Tuesday, which means Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer hops on the podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, we always appreciate the time. How are you? I'm great. You know, we actually got a little wee bit of uh, news in practice today. Uh, well, I, I saw that, Rick. is off. Yeah, I saw that, Rick. I saw you tweeted uh, tweeted out about Nick Batum. Nick Batum, we are getting a little bit more information on him. So, Rick, I'll, I'll let you tell us what Nick Batum's status is and what his role might be when he does come back, whenever that may be. Well, you know, we get let in at the very end of practice, and I saw that Nick was taking three-pointers without any sort of a splint protecting his left hand. And so we asked. And um, the answer was more than anything anybody expected. Um, Nick has been cleared medically to a point that he participated in almost all of Monday practice. Um, he has been ruled out. I'm sorry, Tuesday practice. He has been ruled out for Wednesday's game against the Grizzlies. But the fact that he's been cleared for contact would suggest that he's got to be really close to being ready. Rick, what would Nick Batum's role be when he does come back? You know, I think Marvin puts this really well when he says that Nick has the widest skill set on this team, and on a young team, they need that guy. They need what – I mean, you remember um, um, Steve Clifford used to love the word connector. Nick's a connector um, for whatever else he's not. Um, I think what will be interesting is if they move him into the rotation, and I don't see how they can – not do that. Um, where do the minutes get taken from? Uh, I got a very natural question from a reader asking if I thought that this would drive Cody Martin out of the rotation. I don't think that's necessarily the case. You know, um, Nick can play two, three, and a little bit of four. And let's face it, uh, Dwayne Bacon has not had a good start to this season. Malik Monk has been, you know, up and down. It's not like they could not use any help at the wing. Um, so I don't think he'll be heavily forced into the rotation, but I think he's going to have a role, and I think they need him because, you know, with the, with the way that they can kind of shut down for three or four minutes at a time offensively, they need somebody with a chance to make, create some easy baskets for other people. Rick, you bring up Dwayne Bacon, and he has not been very good to start the season. What do you think is wrong with Dwayne right now? He is taking more two-point shots than anybody else on the team. He averages eight of them a game. Um, in the modern NBA, with the analytics driven, that you want the vast majority of your shots at either at the rim or at the three-point line, 
That would suggest that if he's taking that many two-point shots, he ought to be getting a whole lot of free throw attempts. Um, alarming may be too strong a word, but it's a real head-scratcher that the guy on your team who's taking the most two-point shots is sixth on your team in free throw attempts. That's not efficient. Rick, he also is shooting at a low percentage on those two-point shots, correct? Yeah. Um, I think overall he's shooting 34% and uh, from the field and 25% from three. Um, you know, what, you, know I, you remember, because I think you brought it up one day, um, Dwayne said at media day that he can get to the rim any time he wants to. You know, he's right about that. But he needs to get a whole lot better at what he does when he gets there. <laughs> right, Rick. And Devontae Graham has been coming off the bench this entire time. He's been very good. Uh, in fact, a lot of people would probably call him and, and be right to do so as the best player so far for the Hornets. Maybe there's a Cody Zeller you want to throw in there, but Devonte has been very good, but he's been coming off of the bench and he's been very good playing alongside Terry Rozier, Rick, which is what we talked about. Oh, uh, even a couple of weeks ago, we brought up that it's not an either or thing at the point guard position. Devonte and Terry can play alongside each other and they have done so very well. Do you think Devonte Graham gets into the starting lineup sooner rather than later? And uh, do you think it, do you think it should happen sooner rather than later? Generically, I think probably most over discussed in the end thing in the NBA is who starts. What matters most is who plays in clutch time and who gets starters minutes. Having said that, boy, I'll tell you, the current starting unit has been a huge detriment to this team. John Schulman from NBA.com had this fantastic stat that um, the starting five is a minus 29.6 points per 100 possessions. That's grotesque. That's why they always lose the first quarter. And it's why they often have bad starts in the, in the second half. So Devontae Graham has been so good. So let me ask it this way, Rick. So he's been very good, right? And if he continues to play like this, I would imagine he gets a lot more attention. Hell, I've already seen him get some run on some of the national NBA Twitter accounts that are actually putting out some of his highlights. People are impressed with Devontae Graham. If he continues this kind of play, do you think he'll draw enough attention to possibly win most improved player? Or if he does stay on the bench, maybe even get some consideration for six man of the year award. Um, I absolutely do. I will warn you just sort of in general that um, most improved player, because it's so hard to define in a, an objective way what improvement is, um, there are more, like a wider scattering of the votes for the most improved player award than anything else. What I think could hypothetically hurt him in that regard is, you know, if the Hornets finish, you know, with 23 wins, is what he is doing individually going to become trivialized? I'll tell you what I think is a real interesting question that I'm going to be writing about in, um, in Wednesday's Observer is if Mitch Kupchak is on record, and he is with what he said to me in September, as saying that their priority when their salary cap starts loosening up this summer is not to chase free agents, but to make sure that they're retaining young talent, um, Devontae Graham is technically eligible for an extension uh, in July of this year. It would be two years removed from when he signed that rookie contract. Is Do the Hornets feel hot enough for him at the end of this season to offer him an extension to try to take him 
off the market before there is any chance of him hitting even restricted free agency the same way they did with Kemba Walker. Um, I asked Giovanni that question today. Understandably, he, you know, I was, I kind of hit him out of the blue with that. He didn't really know how to answer it. And he said, you know, that's something, that's such a hypothetical. It's something I'd have to talk to my agent about. But the mechanics of this are real interesting. And if I'm the Hornets, considering, you know, how many little miscalculations they've made over the last decade, the, mo- the worst thing they would, could do is let Devontae Graham out of their grip. Okay, we're going to come back with more Rick Bennell on the other side of the break. But first, I want Doug to tell you more about Audible. I love Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment, including Audible Originals. Audible Originals are stories created exclusively for audio, including documentaries, exclusive audiobooks, and scripted shows that you can't hear anywhere else. I'm a big fan of The Wire on HBO, and I use Audible to listen to All the Pieces Matter, the incredible oral history of the show written by Jonathan Abrams. We've got a special offer for listeners of this show. You can start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two audio Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash locked on NBA. That's audible.com slash locked on NBA. Or you can text locked on NBA to 500 500. Audible keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. You'll finish more stories when you listen with Audible, and you'll always be part of the conversation. With a convenient Audible app, you can listen anytime, anywhere, on any device. You can listen at the gym, while you're shopping, you can listen in the car, while you're traveling. Anytime you can't read, you can listen with Audible. Don't love your selection? That's okay. Audible members can easily exchange any title they don't love at any time. Members keep their library of listens forever, even if they cancel. Start listening today with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash LockedOnNBA, or you can text LockedOnNBA to 500-500. More Rick Bennell in just a second. This is Locked On Hornets. And which, what, what I have liked to see a few more shards. Sh- shards? No, I would not have. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Rick, I'm interested in, in your thoughts on uh, the performance of the team overall uh, through the first 10 games. A lot of prognosticators had this team as uh, going to be one of the worst in the NBA uh, this season. You've seen bad Charlotte basketball. I mean, you you went through 7 and 59 and you know, the Knicks right now are are putting their, you know, GM and and front office officials out in front of the fans to describe how bad basketball has gotten there even this season. What what has differentiated this particular team from the worst that we've seen of Charlotte basketball and 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 it looks like they're not going to be the worst team in the NBA. What is, what has made them different in your eyes? Well, first of all, I think what what the Knicks front office did the other day to David Fisdale is just horrible. Um, implicitly, they made it sound like it's all the coach's fault, and that's ridiculous. Um, that is not a very good team that is playing like not a very good team. And, you know, I think the front office has to ask themselves the question about how they keep, you know, hiring new coaches and make them, you know, so easily expendable. The Knicks are a mess. Um, I will tell you that what I think is interesting about this team that I didn't see coming is that with the exception of that New Orleans game Saturday night, every game that they have had a chance to win, they have won. Um, it, it became almost a given with the Hornets 
that they weren't very good in clutch time. They're very good in clutch time right now. And that's a continuation, actually, of the end of last season. Um, they're not better without Kemba. Let's not even discuss the absurdity of that. Right. But they are a more diverse team. They're a team where you don't really know who might take a shot at the end of a game. Um, and, and I wonder if the fact that it is not easy for them to be in a game in the fourth quarter, if that means, if that is sort of added to their focus to maximize what opportunities they do have to win. Yeah, Rick, it, it seems like, because we know the young players on this team, they looked up to Kimba Walker, and, and Kimba Walker uh, was... Deferred to him. Yeah, exactly. So how much is his absence uh, really maybe fueled uh, some of these young players to finally say, "All right, this is now my opportunity. This is I can I can do what I feel is right for my game and for this team." I think Cody Zeller put this really well when I was talking to him out in San Francisco. He said that um, as much as fans understood that this was Kemba's team, he wasn't sure that people understood the extent to which that was true. Cody said that even when plays started out for other people that probably 80% of the time, and believe me, he was talking about Kemba being great, not about, you know, not about anything else. But he was saying that so many times plays that weren't even designed for Kemba, you know, when they didn't work initially, they would end up being, you know, Kemba trying to save the day at the end. And he said that like 80% of the offense last season in some way or another was totally central to Kemba. They are dramatically more diverse now, for better or worse. And the word that I would use to describe that is having to be self-reliant. And, you know, if nothing else, what we're seeing is, you know, um, Devane Graham blooming and Cody taking more responsibility offensively for making plays for other people. It's, it's kind of fun. You know, the, you know, the thing about Kemba leaving was, if nothing else, at least it forced them to finally make peace with what they are and what they're not. And what they are is a rebuilding team. Hey, Rick, since you bring up Cody Zeller, we'll get you out of here on this. You, you look at the four games he played in October. He did not take, he did not have any game where he took less than 10 shot attempts. And then you look at the four game stretch from Golden State to New Orleans. There wasn't a game where he took 10 field goal attempts in either of those. In fact, the most that he took was seven. Then you look at Philadelphia, he took 13 and had a great game. You mentioned more responsibility for him on offense. I'm just curious, what do you think went into that little stretch between the Golden State and New Orleans Pelicans contest where he wasn't nearly as involved offensively and his minutes went down? Um, Walker, I think the subtext of everything involving Cody Zeller is wear and tear. Um, Cody is terrifically dependable and reliable if he's healthy. And they're very conscious of that. And I just wondered if the fact that he has gone from, wow, like career good to pretty good to back to, you know, that 24 points the other night. I wonder if to some degree that is about, you know, sort of maintenance and how much, you know, his body can put up with, you know, over the course of a week-long segment. Yeah, Rick, I mean, so one more. Are you questioning whether they are, since load managing is such a hot term, is that something that you might describe with Cody, or is it something different? I think they're trying really hard not for this to cost him games, because as you and I have talked about, um, 
this is hard, I think, for people to get their heads around, but I think Cody is the hardest person to replace on this team right now. Yeah. And so what that more means, I think, than anything else is um, not so much, you know, missing games as taking it really easy on him in off days and being very, very careful of not playing him too many minutes. Boy, they played him a ton of minutes. If you look at the segment from the start of the season to the end of the West Coast trip, you know, it wasn't a problem. I asked him about it, and his knee felt fine, but they were playing him and playing him and playing him. That was Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. Again, follow him on Twitter, at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thank you so much for the time. We always appreciate our Tuesdays with you. Have a good rest of your day. Absolutely, guys. You have a good day. All right, thanks once again to Rick Bennell. We got voicemails on the other side of the break. Y'all been calling in. You guys want your voice to be heard on the podcast. We want to listen to your voice on the podcast. So voicemails on the other side of the break of the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I love leftovers, by the way. Huge leftover guy. Oh, man, dinner dinner for lunch. I love that. Leftover dinner, swing it into a lunch, maybe even to a breakfast if you're feeling goosey. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We've enjoyed all the voicemails you guys have been leaving us. Daniel has called in a couple of times. We appreciate everyone utilizing the new voicemail feature. It was a good idea, and I appreciate you guys using it. We have three today. It was a great idea. Most improved podcaster right here. Yeah, you're the Devontae Graham of the podcast. There's no doubt about it. I, I we have three today, Doug. We have a lot more. This is the most that we've ever had. I'm excited to get to them. Why don't we play the first one? Who's it from? Leave a message. Might as well leave a message. Hello, guys. This is Dwayne from Greensboro, proud, less warm Charlotte Patreon member. Uh, my question is, what in the world exactly is going on with Michael Kidd Gilchrist for him to be buried as deep as he is right now? on the bench. Take care. Thank you so much, Dwayne, and we really appreciate you supporting the show as much as you do, as well as our Patreon page, patreon.com slash LOH. I think it is a good question with MKG because we didn't get any information at the beginning of all of this, Doug. I re- we have to go back to media day when MKG took the podium and he was asked about his role, whether that had been communicated with him. And he said, it has. And then we ask, okay, well, what is it? He said, no comment. (laughs) So you know that it wasn't going to be very good. He was also asked why he decided to opt in. And remember, Doug, it took a while for him to opt in. A lot of people said, of course, he's going to opt in. It's going to be a lot more money. There's no way he's going to get that much money anywhere else on the market. And Marvin Williams left no bones about it. Like, guys, I'm coming back. Uh, I'm, I'm opting in. Bismack, he opted in pretty quickly. It took a little while for MKG, and I think we rightfully speculated on, well, he's not going to have that big of a role. Where will he go? And it did take him a while, and then he gave those comments. It was clear that his role, and it was communicated that his role, was going to be exactly where it is right now, that he was not going to get any run. Maybe using the word clear is a little strong, but we certainly know it was somewhere around this role of him being buried on the bench. I don't think it's, I don't think it's the best. I would like to see him out there a little bit. I just think his defense is so good. I don't think he's as bad as what this role would indicate he is. I think we remember how valuable he was at the beginning of last season, right? Where I go to the Milwaukee games where he provided a big boost for them defensively. 
I've mentioned before about how the shooting has actually gotten better to the point where it's not so god awful, where it's 34%. Okay, maybe higher volume, he'd go down to 30, but still, it doesn't make it the worst in the world. Like maybe he can hit one, you know, at once in a blue moon. So I, I don't know. I, I wonder if they want to throw him out there just to kind of increase his trade value, if they want to showcase him a little bit more. I, I, I don't know, Doug. What do you think? Yeah, to answer Dwayne's question, by the way, thank you again, Dwayne, uh, for your support and for leaving us a voicemail. Uh, to answer your question plainly, th- there's nothing wrong with MKG. He's just simply not part no. of the future of this franchise. And the focus on the rotation has to be on the future of the franchise. And I think on top of that, there are only a few things that MKG can provide for this roster. Some added wing defense and maybe a little bit of offensive rebounding. And, you know, with Nick Batum, at least you get a variety of things that he can do well. You you heard Rick call him a connector MKG's not really a connector. They have guys like Cody Martin, for example, who can do the hustle plays. They can get on the floor and make those key plays that we've seen MKG make time after time. So I don't know that there's a reason to play MKG. They're not going to increase his trade. He has no trade value. Zero trade value. Uh, so I don't know that playing him would make any difference. I don't. Zero times 900 yeah. is still zero. See, I, I still think maybe he could serve some type of Andre Roberson type of role somewhere, you know, like maybe he wouldn't be as good as Roberson, but it would be. And, and that's what kind of puzzles me. Like we're acting like he doesn't have any role with any kind of team that's looking to contend. And I just don't agree with that to that certain extent. I get your point that he doesn't have any value because you're right about that. I always bring up Kevin Artovitz comment a couple of years ago where he said he knows GMs that wouldn't allow him in the door because he just doesn't have any offensive game. I just think that there's still a role out there on a winning team. So anyways, we'll see what happens with MKG, but I think you're going to continue to see what you have been seeing. Thanks again to Dwayne. Let's go to our next voicemail, Doug. What is it today? Do the message. After the beat. Hey, Nick, this is Rosario. It's around 4.26. I'm calling regarding Christopher, his DI application. It turned out that you ran the illustration. Um, in DC, he lives in Maryland and it was executed in Maryland. So the illustration should be, um, run under Maryland. But anyway, I, I'm not really sure if, uh, you want me to run, rerun the illustration under Maryland. But if I'm going to do that, uh, the, the premium will go up. So give me a call and get a chance if you want to adjust. The premium. I oh know if you want to adjust the amount of coverage to just have the same premium as what we submitted. Give me a call when you get a chance, or if you can do it, then send it to the home office because I'm leaving at 4:30. Thanks, bye. Uh, great question, Rosario. I mean, I don't really understand why the premium has to go up. Uh, I mean, I, I think we just stick with the premium that we agreed to. Uh, we we had a handshake deal. I, I think that premium was a good price. I don't know why D.C., Maryland, those feel like geographically the same thing. Also, 4.30, that seems a little early to leave the office. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get in your business or anything or call your boss. I mean, maybe I will call your boss, but 4.30, that seems a little early. Most people leave earliest at 5.00. 
Yeah, thank you so much for your support of the show, Rosario. I agree with Doug, though. I do think that it is a little bit late for us to call. I'm not going to be able to call by 4.30. I would imagine you could stay there a little bit later. So I guess we'll just try to circle back with you tomorrow. We do appreciate the support, though. And uh, we got one more voicemail. Let's try to play that one. And this will be the last one for the day. Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not home. Diane. Uh, what time are you going to come by and pick up this macaroni and cheese? This is Janet. Dad. <laughs> I don't know. Thank you so much. Why did it take her so long to hang up? The phone? I don't know. <laughs> Why did it take? She just hung up. She was, well, I think it's, I look, well, it's one of those. I'll I don't be know there if, soon. I don't know if there are. See, I was going to say maybe she was waiting to see if um, Diane was going to, I don't know, I can't remember, hold on, I gotta play it again to figure out who's Diane and who's Janet, because there's a Diane and a Janet, but I was too busy laughing to figure out, hold on. Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not home. Diane. Okay, that's Janet. Uh, what time are you gonna come by and pick up this macaroni and cheese? This is Janet. All right, so it's Janet that is asking. Oh, wait, 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 yeah. wait, 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 when is she gonna hang up? Sorry, I keep I keep <laughs> jumping the so I keep jumping the hang up. So that's Janet <laughs> wanting to know when Diane is coming oh. to pick up the macaroni and cheese. And I'm wondering if Diane maybe thinks that Janet is screening calls. You know those old answering machines where you could screen the calls. Yeah. I don't know if those exist anymore, but maybe Diane just getting a little anachronistic, thinking that Janet is screening calls and waiting for Janet to pick up the phone and give her a definitive answer on when she will be coming by to pick up the macaroni and cheese. She sounds like someone that would be angry if Jan took too long to pick up the mac and cheese. Like she's ready for this mac and Janet. cheese to be out of her hands right now. Janet, I apologize. I call her Jan for short, though. We appreciate the support. I do think that Janet needs to go pick up the mac and cheese right now because she wants that out of her grasp immediately. 100 percent. 100 percent. Diane knows that Janet, who's Janet is and that, that that's Janet's yeah. voice. You don't need to <laughs> yeah. clarify. Everyone no, knows you that's friggin Janet. I, I bet Janet's mac and cheese is really good. It sounds really good. Well, yeah, and I mean macaroni and cheese that needs to be eaten as quickly as possible. To me, it's yeah, one of the, right. to me. If I were to rank leftover foods, I think macaroni and cheese would be in my bottom three. Uh, meat sauce in my top three. Mac and cheese in my bottom three of things that keep leftover wise. Now, mac and cheese certainly ranks higher than mashed potatoes, though, because mashed potatoes, the heat doesn't distribute, doesn't distribute evenly. And so give me the mac and cheese before mashed potatoes, since we are about to have Thanksgiving here soon. But I'm with you towards the bottom of the rankings. And so. let me clarify, because I know some people, as soon as I said meat sauce, people were about to jump all over me. You have to put a little water in the meat sauce. If you try to heat up meat sauce that you made the previous night and you do not add water to it, you will end up with just a tomato paste. Be smart, people. Add water to your meat sauce. And uh, Diane, I'll be by in a minute to get that mac and cheese. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Thanks to Diane for that amazing voicemail. And thanks to you for listening, as always. We'll be back with you tomorrow on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Diane, uh, what time are you going to come by and pick up this macaroni and cheese? This is Janet.